to Climate Action News one-on-one, -on -one, brought to you by We Don't Have Time. My name is Katarina Rolf-Stotter-Jansson, and I am the host of this new series focusing on investors and entrepreneurs and partners supporting We Don't Have Time. And with us in this first episode, we have Fabrice Grinda, who is the number one angel investor, and also he is an internet entrepreneur of, of really, really high status in the world. So before I start this interview with, with Fabrice, I'd like to introduce this counter, which is a constant reminder of the fact that we really don't have much time. We don't really have any time to act. This counter counts down to 2030, where we need to get really, really low on the carbon emissions in the world. So let's now turn to an introduction of Fabrice Grinda. Meet Fabrice Grinda. He's among the world's leading internet entrepreneurs and investors with over 600 angel investments and 175 exits. Fabrice has served as CEO for three multinational companies and has an impressive track record as an early investor in Alibaba, Flexport, Delivery Hero, Betterment and Brightroom. Fabrice is currently running the startup studio and venture fund FJ Labs, which he co-founded with business partner Jose Marin. Fabrice was named the number one angel investor in the world by Forbes. So hi, Fabrice Grinder. Welcome to Climate Action News One-on-One. -on -one. How are you today? Doing very well. Thank you for having me. Excellent, excellent. So you are one of the world's leading entrepreneurs and investors. Would you say, um, which are the biggest challenges the world is facing when it comes to, uh, to uh, well, challenges in the world? And what can investors like you do to help solve these major challenges? So my, my entire life, both as an entrepreneur and uh, as an investor, I've been mission-driven. And to me, in the 21st century, there are two fundamental issues of our time that we're facing. On the one hand, there's social injustice and inequality. And on the other hand, there's climate change. And from my perspective, seeing how broken the political processes are and have been, and it feels like actually the way to address these issues is through technology. We can harness the deflationary power of technology and its ability to improve user experiences to frankly address the two defining challenges of our time. Of course, we don't have time focusing on, on the latter in the climate crisis. And Fabrice, thank you. You run the, the FG, FJ Labs. Uh, it's a studio and a startup studio and venture uh, capacity. What is your major focus? So it's exactly those two focuses. So we mostly invest in marketplaces uh, because marketplaces are reasonably capital efficient. They can scale to very large scales and they, they're deflationary. And by virtue of being deflationary, they make things cheaper, which improves people's purchasing power and or in the case of the climate crisis, allows the, alter, the alternate energy to reach the point where we're at great parity or below and therefore, you know, accelerates the transition to carbon neutrality um, in, in, in the coming decade. And you have invested in We Don't Have Time. Why is that? I invested in We Don't Have Time because I actually agree. We don't have time. If you look at the data over the last 40 years, I mean, the amount of heat we've been releasing in the oceans over, over the last uh, 25 years is the equivalent of detonating five Hiroshima-sized nuclear bombs every second for 25 years. I mean, that's insane. If, if aliens arrived and started nuking us five nukes a second, we'd stop everything to deal with it. But because we see it as unstoppable or natural, we haven't really addressed it. 
At the same time, we have a million species uh, at risk of extinction because of climate change. The 21 of the warmest 20 years on record have happened in the last 21 years. Uh, actually, the opposite. 20, 20 of the warmest 21 years of record, on record have happened in the last 21 years. And um, yeah, we, we, we really don't have time. And, and as such, given the, our underlying mission of using technology to make the world a better place, uh, decided getting the message out there, making sure, sure that both capital and entrepreneurs and, or allocating of time to addressing one of those two fundamental issues of our time made a lot of sense. So Fabrice, um, how did your interest, your, your concern about climate come about? Hmm. You know, I, look, I think at the end of the day, too, I'm, I'm more I put myself in the shoes of the consumer and, and it's clear observation. Right. As uh, as we as I've grown or as I've aged over time, realize, you know, that winter is becoming shorter, that climate events are becoming uh, stronger we're, we're, we're with way more extreme weather patterns and way more diversity than ever before. And observing that the world is changing, you know, for for the worse. While I do think in the long run it'd be great when we become a multi-planetary species, we do have an amazing planet that has been our host for many years, and and we have not done a good job at protecting it. And it's time to change that. For sure, we have not done a good job. I totally agree with you. Uh, when it comes to uh, companies doing a good job, I mean, you as an as an investor, could you rank? Maybe the top three foremost companies that host the the capacity of solving the major challenges related to to climate change. Well, first of all, I won't talk about specific companies. Let's talk about more of the mega trends that I think are helping. Uh, and the one thing that's helping is really the decrease in the cost of solar. Solar has decreased in cost by ninety percent over the last decade, and another ninety percent the decade before that. So we have a 100x decrease in 20 years in the cost of solar to the point that now where it is the cheapest form of energy production uh, at scale in most places. Now, what we don't have yet is storage, but even lithium-ion battery prices have declined 85% in the last decade. And as they're continuing to decline, and we I expect them to continue to decline in the next decade, we're going to get to the point where Solar plus storage will be cheaper, frankly, than the cost of maintaining the grid. So it's going to lead to massive increases in distributed solar. So it won't be a solution for the major cities. It'll be a solution for houses that are, that are detached and and for commercial operations that are not in major cities. And it's already starting to happen, especially in places like Indonesia or Malaysia, where the grids are unreliable and expensive. But will happen in the U.S. and, frankly, most of the West in outside of major cities in the next five to ten years. And for the main cities, there are really interesting things that are starting to happen, again, driven by solar. I mean, if, if you think like Energy Vault, it's a gravity-based massive battery that could actually provide storage for the equivalent of city. So it would allow solar to become a viable option for, for cities as well. And other companies like Heligen on the manufacturing side that can address the 20% of uh, emissions that are coming, that are coming from, from manufacturing. So these are major trends. Um, do you, would you say that this is happening fast enough or what do we need to speed up this transition? So on the solar side, it's happening quickly and, and, and probably ever quicker. Um, 
because it's becoming cheaper and, and humans can be counted on doing the right thing once they have the incentive, when it's in their economic incentive to do it. So once it's the cheapest form of energy production, people will, will migrate to it automatically. That said, there are a lot of things we could do to improve it. I mean, the, the grids we have are not really well designed for handling a lot of, a lot of solar and, and often we're still subsidizing uh, carbon in many places, and we have like uh, fuel subsidies in many places around the world. It would help if to make it more solar will become the cheapest form soon. But when, what could make it happen sooner would be a global carbon tax, for instance, because then the we would be facing the marginal social costs of consuming uh, 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 of uh, using fuels that, that, that create carbon as opposed to purely the marginal private cost, which in a way underprices the cost of fuel and, and coal, natural gas and, and, and gasoline. So there are a lot of things at the policy level that can be done. But then at the tech level, there's a there's a lot of uh, if more, you know, there's a saying which is the greatest mind of our minds of our generation have been allocating their time to solving how to sell ads. Uh, you know, and improving cost per click by working at Facebook or Google. And if instead of like allocating the very best minds of a generation to doing things like that, uh, they actually were allocating themselves to direct trying to solve the climate crisis, I think we could move the needle. And that's why now I'm very optimistic because it used to be to build a startup in, in their in renewables energy space, you needed tens of millions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars before you could um, turn the lights on. And that's changing. And, and the reason it's important that it changes is the venture ecosystem doesn't really work that way. It's uh, you get a, a million of pre-seed money, three million of seed money, seven million of A. And so because the funding cycle is such and the fact that more and more things are becoming software as opposed to hardware it, it is helping to make a difference. And so we're already seeing it now in, in our portfolio. I mean, now we're investors in companies like leap.ac, which is like a grid edge management solution. We're investors in companies like Mutrol. Mutrol is a animal feed supplement that decreases the, the methane emissions from cows uh, by a third. And it's given away for free to the agricultural companies and it's paid for in carbon credits. And so there's still a lot, uh, there, there's a lot of innovation happening. A lot more needs to be done. And especially on the food side, because the one thing where we're going in the wrong direction, because solar in a way I think will address the energy production and in the coming decade reasonably quickly. But as people are becoming, becoming wealthier, they're consuming more meat. And uh, as a result, the methane emissions from, from agriculture is, are increasing. They're already 25% of the emissions. And so that one transitioning to lab-grown meat faster is important. But there's a lot of interesting uh, developments here as well. I mean, obviously, we're, we're investors in a company called Artemis and the lab-grown meat space. There's companies like Insect to feed, insect feed to the animals so they don't consume things that created carbon. So there's a lot of interesting innovation, but a lot more needs to be done and can be done. So Fabrice, when you look at your your life as an investor now, when a lot of what you do is very purpose-driven in terms of you know, creating solutions to save well humanity, basically. Uh, what is it? What is it like to be an investor, investing like this and with this focus uh, compared to, let's say, fifteen years ago? To be honest, I've always been purpose-driven. It's just that most of what I focused on was more social injustice inequality because. Technology by being cheaper allowed people to improve the customer their 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 main 
purchasing power and, and their standard of living. And also because on average, there's less discrimination in technology, it would A, become more accessible um, and, and B, lead to better outcomes. Um, and, and that was really the main focus for 15 years, but it was still purpose-driven back then. And I do think, and the reason I, you know, I do a lot in the not-for-profit sector, but you know, when I pay for the education of 10,000 kids, K through 12, that's great for these 10,000 kids, but it's not a scalable solution at, at, at the level of a planet. Whereas what we do and what I do in the investing side, the entrepreneurial side, which is in the for-profit sector, it is scalable and B, because it's it's self-financeable, actually has the scale to change the lives of billions of people. And so the purpose is, it, remain, it remains purpose-driven, it's always been purpose-driven. It's just that I've added a new leg of climate that I wasn't focused on particularly 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Uh, it didn't feel that there was as much of an imperative or urgency, which has become very, very clear today. Thank you. And speaking of, of clear and, and scaling, um, when you look at the climate review and the climate dialogue uh, aspects of We Don't Have Time, speeding up uh, transition and also making it easier and clearer for, for companies to to uh, to move towards a more climate-friendly future. Well, how important is this, this uh, transparency and this dialogue that's going on on the We Don't Have Time platform? I think it's very important because the easiest way to move the needle, by the way, is to make change the behavior of people at scale, right? If Amazon decides that they're only going to use renewable packaging, which I think they did decide, or improve their supply chain, have less carbon, because they're ready at scale, or if Walmart decides the same thing, it has a massive immediate impact, much more so than, frankly, our behavior change. I mean, us changing, going from plastic straws to uh, metal straws or whatever, actually, on, in the grand scheme of things, is a very marginal impact, but actually moving the needle and the behavior um, of corporate giants actually has a much larger impact. And so pushing it to the limelight and highlighting the efforts made by many and, and perhaps in the other, in the other direction, um, criticizing those that are not moving the right direction, I think is actually very helpful. How about consumer impact uh, on decision makers like uh, governments, for instance? How important is the, the grassroots, the power of the many that we actually see great examples on, on the We Don't Have platform in terms of changing, you mentioned policies before. What impact can have the, 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 the regular guy uh, using the platform have on, on policies when, when there are many people pushing? I think at the, the end of the day, when there starts to be a consensus in the consumer mind, uh, you know, pol policymakers and I think politicians have a tendency to be reactive rather than proactive. So once all of their constituents say we need something on the climate side, the it, it does happen. And, and the consensus is starting to be reached. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we have a new Green Deal of some sort in the U.S. in the next four years, given the current administration. And, and and having the platform to push in that direction, I think, is, is great. So looking ahead, five years from now, Fabrice, what do you see in terms of, of, uh, of your horizon as an, as an entrepreneur and an angel investor? So t today, in, in a way, the climate leg is something new in, in our portfolio. I mean, last year we made 146 investments, and I think like 10 of them had a climate focus. And uh, I suspect that when we revisit and relook at it uh, five years in, in the future, that will that mix will have increased dramatically, and there will be many more on, on, on the climate side. 
So I, I started out pointing at this, this counter here, uh, counting down to 2030 um, and saying, of course, uh, that we don't have time. And you agreed. Um, the responsibility of, of investors, uh, few of them have the impact that you have, of course. But what, what, what takeaways can you give them in terms of, of, you know, the importance of pulling their weight in reaching to this? To me, it's, yeah, it's time. There are many things you can invest in, and some seem more trivial than others. And and think through what is the ultimate purpose that we that we are here for, and 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 being purpose driven and trying to do things and find solutions that uh, that that make the world a better place makes a lot of sense. And and I think in the in the next decade, if we rise up to the challenge, we can actually completely decarbonize our energy production for the most part, like move to over fifty percent made by renewables and especially solar. I suspect that within five, 10 years, we're going to be, well, a decade for sure, maybe five years, we're, because people underestimate the power of exponential growth. We're going to be able to move the entire uh, electric or, or car um, to to electric. And so there's a lot of opportunities that are going to be created by that. I mean, and so take advantage of these opportunities, invest ahead of time and invest to make the future we would like to all live in. Thank you for those wise final words. And thank you so much for, to, for participating in this Climate Action News 101 by We Don't Have Time. Thank you very much. Thank for you for having me. Thank you. And for all of you watching, please download the, the app. Take part in this movement, in this climate action. And also by downloading the app and becoming interactive here with us, you don't miss out on the next episode of Climate Action News 101. Thank you and see you on the next episode. Bye-bye.